Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au so good to worship uh, together and uh, now we want to go uh, to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, Psalm chapter 22 uh, and I want to read verses 1 to 6. Uh, I want to share a few thoughts from uh, this psalm and uh, then we're going to be breaking bread together. So reading uh, from Psalm 22 uh, verses 1 to 6, uh, the Bible says this, Uh, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Uh, My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, verse 6, and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Let's pray together. So Father, we come before you at this time in Jesus' name, and we just invite you by the Holy Spirit to come uh, into our homes and wherever it is that we're watching this, uh, this service today. Father, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be able to understand the principles of your word. We don't want to just... Uh, hear more information, Lord God. Let this word become a revelation in our hearts and in our spirits. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak the word of God and also to hear the word of God. We love you, Lord God, and I thank you that this word is going to bring fruit for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, on this uh, Easter Sunday, I want to speak on the subject, Jesus, our hope. Uh, As we all know, we're living in unprecedented times. The world uh, is in chaos. Um, Our lives have been uh, turned upside down in such a short space of time, and fear seems to have uh, gripped the hearts of so many people all around the world. Uh, David asked the question, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, When the foundations of the world, like the economy, like our jobs, our careers, when everything that we understood to be normal is thrown upside down, what is it that we can do? How do we handle those times? Well, Easter reminds us to focus on Jesus. Easter reminds us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Uh, there's the story of Peter who uh, was walking on water and there was, uh, they, were, they were in a storm at that particular time. And as soon as Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm and onto the wind, then he began to sink. And so to us, we focus on Jesus, keep our eyes on Jesus. He will help us navigate and get through uh, this storm. Hebrews says this, but we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Well, what is the hope that we have that's an anchor for our soul? Well, our hope is Jesus. Our hope is the cross. Our hope is the grace of God. And I, and I want to encourage us uh, Today, as we celebrate Easter, this uh, important event in the Christian calendar, I I want us to uh, be encouraged with this thought, uh, Jesus, our hope. And to help us do this, uh, we're going to look at one of the Messianic Psalms, 
uh, Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is part of a trilogy of psalms that speak about Jesus. Uh, Psalm 23 is a well-known psalm. It's the uh, it's the Good Shepherd, and um, many of us know that particular psalm that speaks about Jesus as the Shepherd. And then um, Psalm 24 speaks about Jesus as the Victor. But I want to focus on Psalm 22 because it speaks about the suffering of Jesus, and it speaks to us uh, in this time of Easter. But there are three thoughts I want to extract from uh, this uh, psalm that I pray will speak to all of us by the Holy Spirit and will encourage us today. Uh, The first thought that comes from Psalm 22 is the thought, um, the reality of Jesus. It speaks about the reality of Jesus. People often ask the question, um, how do you know that God is real? Why should I believe in Jesus? What distinguishes Christianity from every other religion in the world? Um, well, the greatest ev- evidence that we have uh, that God is real um, is in fact found in Easter. Uh, what distinguishes Christianity from all the other religions of the world is the fact that Jesus died and three days later, he rose from the dead. Um, that's not just hearsay, uh, that's actually a historical effect. In fact, uh, 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 it's a historical fact. In fact, if you research the evidence, um, you'll see that it confirms uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, another piece of evidence uh, comes from uh, the prophecies that were written about Jesus. So one evidence is the fact that Jesus uh, died on the cross and three days later he rose from the dead, and, and that's probably the greatest evidence. But another piece of evidence comes from Uh, the prophecies that were written about Jesus and the fulfillment of those prophecies. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies that were written about Jesus, about his birth, about his life, and of course, about how Jesus would die. Some of those prophecies are recorded in Psalm 22. Now, bear in mind, Psalm 22 was written some thousand years uh, before Jesus actually came to earth. Let me give you some of these prophecies Uh, that speak about Jesus as they're recorded in Psalm 22. Well, Psalm 22 verse 7 says, All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. So the Gospel of Matthew actually describes the actual account of Jesus' death um, and the events that happened, what was happening when, when Jesus was being crucified. This is what Matthew says, In chapter 27, verse 39, he says, Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. Psalm 22, verse 8, go back to the Psalms. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Let's go back to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Go back to Psalm, Psalm 22, 16. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. The Gospel of Matthew. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults at him. Psalm 22, verse 16. This is interesting. They pierce my hands and my feet. It's interesting that Psalm 22 prophesied how Jesus would die, that they would pierce his hands and pierce his feet Uh, And David was writing this 500 years, even before the Romans were in government, before uh, crucifixion uh, even began as a a mode, as a way of actually uh, murdering people. Psalm 22, verse 18. They divide my clothes among them. 
and cast lots for my garment. Go back to the Gospel of Matthew. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And on and on it goes. One of the, the proofs that confirm the reality of Jesus is the prophecies that were written about him many, many years, hundreds of years, even thousands of years before Jesus actually came to earth. And not only the, the fact that the prophecies were written, the fulfillment of those prophecies, and Psalm 22 is actually filled with some of those prophecies that speak about the reality of who Jesus is. Uh, the second thought that comes from Psalm 22 is the humanity of Jesus. Gospel of Matthew records the events that happened when Jesus was crucified. Here's what it says. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some people think that this is where Jesus broke. Some people think that this is where uh, Jesus gave up on God, where it was as if he felt that God had turned his back on him, and he expresses that uh, with these words. I don't believe that at all. I believe it expresses something about the humanity of Jesus and what Jesus was suffering at that particular time. Notice it says, the text actually says that darkness covered the whole earth. And in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the darkness that Jesus was experiencing as he hung there on the cross, he cries out to God and he pours out his heart to God. And I, and I love it because he's not praying this manicured prayer where he's very careful about what he says and um, you know the words that he uses to express what he was feeling at that particular time. He speaks from his heart. He cries out to his God, uh, to God, and and I believe more than ever, the words that Jesus expressed there on the cross encourage all of us today, especially in the times that we're living in today, because all of us, in some ways, are facing our own darkness, darkness that's in the world uh, uh, around us at the moment, and and the darkness that we're experiencing in our own lives. And the words of Jesus can actually encourage us. They can help us even uh, how to uh, deal with our own darkness that we're experiencing in our own lives. Uh, notice that uh, Jesus' prayer comes from Psalm 22. Uh, these are the words of David. David was the actual person that wrote Psalm 22, but, but Jesus' words actually come from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day and you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Uh, whenever we go through challenging times, um, it can start to feel like, well, maybe God has forsaken us. Maybe God has abandoned us. Um, maybe God has forgotten about us and and we're praying and we're crying out to God, but it doesn't seem like he's listening. What, what do you do when you feel like that? What, what, what do you do when it feels like God is a million miles away? Um, like God is somehow um, not interested or, or doesn't seem to be concerned about what it is that we're going through. Well, the greatest thing that we can do is follow the example of Jesus and cry out to God. David in the psalm was obviously going through a, a terrible time in his own life. And I, I love the way he tells God exactly how he's feeling. He's saying, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you not answering my prayer? He's pouring his heart out to God. And there might be some of you who are watching uh, this service today and, and you're experiencing some real challenges in your life because of what's happening around us. And you're kind of asking those questions. You know, God, where are you? Where is God in, in all of this? Well, the, the greatest thing that we can do with those questions is not deny the reality of them. The greatest thing that we can do with those questions is bring them into the presence of God, is to pour out our hearts to God. I love the way David does that in the first two verses. And, and then verse three, he goes on to say, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors, ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. David was saying, you know what? It feels like, uh, it, it felt like God had forsaken him. But then as he begins to cry out to God, he also affirms the reality. He's saying, uh, you know, but I want you to know, God, that my trust is in you. Uh, and just as you have helped those that have gone before us, just like you delivered our ancestors, you too can deliver us from what it is that we're going through right now, from the darkness that we're experiencing in our own lives. Jesus' words on the cross encourage us. They encourage us in our own time of darkness. They encourage us to pour out our heart to God. And not only in the trial that we're going through right now, not only in the darkness that we're experiencing right now, but, but whenever we face challenges in our life, uh, some of us have got questions and perplexities and things that don't make sense. I know that God is good. I know that God is great. I know, I know that God is all powerful. But as I look at the circumstances around us and as I look at the circumstances in my life, it doesn't feel like God is all powerful. What do you do with those questions? Greatest thing that we can do is bring those questions to God is to pour out our hearts in the presence of God and pour out our hearts in the context of, God, I, I, it doesn't make sense what I'm going through right now, but I want you to know that my trust is in you because I know that you're going to see me through. Jesus' words on the cross encourage us, even in our time of darkness. Third thought um, that comes from Psalm 22 is the grace of Jesus. Spoke about the reality of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus. And um, Psalm 22 also speaks to us about the grace of Jesus. The Bible tells us the story of Israel who are about to enter into uh, the promised land. Joshua was the leader. He had just taken over uh, from Moses and uh, he was the one who was uh, to lead the people of Israel uh, to take possession of the promised land, uh, to conquer every city and uh, uh, to, become, uh, to become the inhabitants of the prophet's land. Well, the first of the cities uh, that they had to take was the city of Jericho. So what Joshua does is he uh, sends two spies into Jericho uh, just to spy out uh, the city uh, and to see what was happening in the city. Bible tells us that uh, when the spies went into Jericho, they stayed at a woman's house called Rahab. And she was a prostitute. The Bible makes that very clear. Uh, it's believed uh, that in Bible times, uh, the prostitutes' houses were also uh, used as hotels. So, well, the king of Jericho finds out that they, uh, these two spies, these two Israelites were in Jericho and he wants to harm them. So Rahab hides the spies and protects them from the king. Uh, 
the, uh, the guys come to, to, to find out where the spies are. Rahab says, oh yeah, they were here a few days ago, uh, but they've left, um, and they went off in that direction, uh, and um, uh, kind of sending the, the guys off in the wrong direction. And then she says to the spies, she says, we've heard about what God has done for Israel, and the God you serve is the God of heaven. And, and then she says to the spies, she says, now, Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Well, the spies uh, assure her uh, that they will save her and her family. And then they say this, this oath that you made us swear will not be binding on us unless... When we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. In other words, um, when we come to take Jericho, when we come to take the land, if there's a scarlet cord tied to your window, then we will save your family. No scarlet cord and um, we won't save your family. And the question is, why a scarlet cord? Why, why was it the, the cord that had to hang from their window? Why did it need to be uh, scarlet? Why did it need to be a red cord? Why not a yellow or an orange cord or something like that? Well, interestingly, the answer to that question is found in Psalm 22. Notice what verse 6 says. It says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. We know that Jesus was scorned and despised by the people, the, the Bible makes that very, very clear and the gospel recordings make that really clear. But what does it mean when it says, but I am a worm and not a man? Well, uh, Jesus was beaten so badly, uh, his actual face uh, was disfigured. In fact, if you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, you get an understanding of how badly they had beaten Jesus up. Isaiah, in fact, says, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Um, but I am a worm and not a man could mean that Jesus was so disfigured that he was beaten so badly um, that he didn't even look human anymore. And it could certainly mean that, uh, but I believe it actually means something else. Hebrew word for worm is the word rimmer. But the Bible uses the word tolar to describe worm in this psalm. But I am a tolar. That's the Hebrew word that is used in Psalm 22 verse 6. Tolar is the word that is used to describe a crimson or a scarlet worm. So the text isn't referring to the general worm. Uh, it's actually referring to a scarlet or a crimson worm. Now, the scarlet worm is a grub or a maggot about a half a centimetre long. And what's interesting is how the scarlet gives birth to its young. When the female is ready to give birth, it climbs up a tree and then it, um, then it glues itself to that tree uh, on the wood that it's actually on. And um, she will never come off that tree alive. Um, she actually gives her life 
for her young. So then for three days, um, her body swells with this crimson jelly uh, and then it bursts and it stains the tree that it's on. It's during this time that um, in biblical times they would harvest uh, the worm, Uh, they would uh, put it in boiling water uh, and then the liquid that came out was this red liquid and they would use uh, that liquid to dye fabric and garment. So she gives birth to the young um, and the young feed off of the mother's body and they are stained with this crimson uh, jelly. This red dye actually stains them. Um, After three days, uh, the scarlet worm actually dries up and it becomes almost like a a waxy flake uh, that is blown off the wood and just falls uh, to the ground. So Jesus was saying in Psalm 22, uh, but I am like a crimson worm. I'm like a scarlet worm. In other words, look at the crimson worm and it will speak to you about my life. You see, Jesus came some 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross. He shed his blood. He took the penalty for our sin. And three days later, he rose from the grave. He gave his life so that we could live. And if we would accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, then we too can experience life. Notice what Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says. It says this, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Uh, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, uh, they shall be as wool. So the spies tell Rahab, um, you and your family will be saved, but you need to tie a scarlet cord from the window. You need to make sure that there's a scarlet cord that is tied uh, from your window. Why, why scarlet? Why, why not some other color? Why scarlet? Because Rahab's life was already speaking about Jesus and what Jesus came to do. Scarlet cord speaks to us about the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And that same same scarlet cord that Rahab had, that saved Rahab, is also available to you and me by his grace and for his glory. All we need to do is acknowledge our sin, believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and accept him as our Lord and Saviour. You know, the Bible says, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The story of Rahab is a powerful story that speaks to us about the grace of God uh, because it doesn't finish here. Rahab puts her faith in God and God says, well, I'm going to save you. When I come against Jericho, uh, I'm going to save you and your family. I'm not going to hold your sin against you. I'm not going to judge you according to your past and If the story stopped here, it would be a a powerful story. It would be a powerful story that speaks to us about the grace of God. That You know, it's the Easter message, why Jesus came to save us. Um, It would speak about the grace of God. But the story doesn't finish here. If you go over to the New Testament, and one of the the great chapters in the Bible in the New Testament is Hebrews chapter 11. 
Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's, it's the great chapter of faith. And in there, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a record of some of the great men of the Bible uh, who were people of faith, people like Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, Samuel. Um, and there are only two women mentioned in this chapter. Uh, one of those women is actually Rahab. Uh, Rahab was considered one of the great women of faith alongside of uh, Abraham and Moses and some of those guys. Now again, if the story stopped here, again, it would be an amazing story. It would be a great testimony of the grace of God and how God saved this woman. And, and, uh, and you know, her name's included in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the great chapters of the Bible. But listen, God isn't just the God of mercy. He's also the God of grace. Nehemiah in describing God says, but you are a forgiving God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And the, the definition of grace is unmerited favor. God not only forgives us, uh, but he goes one step further. He chooses to bless us. He chooses to pour out his favor on us. And once he's blessed us, he says, now just wait a minute, wait a minute. I haven't finished blessing you. I, I just, I just want to bless you just a little bit more. And that's, and that's what the concept of grace actually is. So we see, we see this so clearly in, in Rahab's life. Rahab marries this guy called Salmon who has a son called Boaz, who have a son called Obed, who, who have a son called Jesse, who's David, uh, is, is Jesse's son. And if you follow the lineage of David, you find that Rahab was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. That despite Rahab's past, Jesus decides to plant himself right in the midst of her life, right in the midst of her situation. You know, today people have all these preconceived ideas about who God is and what God is like. Some people think God is this angry God, he's a judgmental God, he just, he just can't wait to, to judge people for the mistakes that they've made and, and, and for the things that they've done wrong. And yet as we look at this story, as we look at the story of Rahab, it speaks to us about what God is really like and what God wants to do in our lives. I want you to know that God loves you and He cares about you. And He doesn't judge you according to your mistakes or according to your past. And if you would just give your life to Him, He will save you. If you would just surrender your life to Him, He will bless you in ways that you could never imagine, in ways that will absolutely blow your mind. But I am a worm and not a, worm, and not a man. Worm speaking to us about who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Psalm 22 reminds us of three things. It reminds us that Jesus is real that the God that we serve, that the God that we celebrate at this time of Easter is not just a, a human, it's, it's not just a fable, it's not a figment of our imagination. That we put our faith in a God that came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived amongst us, raised the sick, raised the dead, sorry, healed the sick, taught principles of the kingdom, 
and then died and three days later, he rose from the dead. We serve a real God. Psalm 22 reminds us how to deal with the dark seasons of our life, that as Jesus declared from the cross, he declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That there are times in our own lives when we're going through an incredible time of darkness, that, what, that one of the greatest things that we can do is just go into the presence of God and open our hearts to God and speak freely about what we're experiencing and what we're thinking and what we're feeling and bring to him the questions that, that are going through our hearts and in our minds. God is not offended by our doubts. God is not offended by our fears. God is not offended by our depression. The greatest thing that we can do is just bring it into the presence of God. And as we begin to do that, something begins to change in our hearts and in our lives. Hope begins to come. And Psalm 22 reminds us of the grace of God, that Jesus is gracious, that like a crimson worm, He gave His life for us so that we could have eternal life. John 3.16 says this, for this is how much God loved the world. He gave His one and only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in Him will never perish, but experience its everlasting life. This is how much God loved the world. The world is speaking about you and is speaking about me. God loves you. And He gave His one and only Son as a gift. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, the consequences of sin is death. Not, not necessarily speaking about physical death. It's speaking about death as eternal separation from God. But then it goes, thank God the verse doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ offers salvation as a gift that we Uh, can only decide one of two things. We can decide either we receive the gift or we reject that gift. A few moments, we're going to be breaking bread together. It's such a special time for the church. Uh, Easter is a special time uh, for the church and breaking bread is also a special time because um, it's a time where we remember. We remember that Jesus died on the cross for us. He gave his life for us and that through Jesus, we can be saved that we're not saved because of our good works. We're not saved because of what we do, how righteous we are. We're not saved because of a religion or a particular church that we attend. We're saved by the grace of God. We're saved through a relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing more. We thank God for him and we celebrate the life that we can experience through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10 that uh, the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you may experience life and experience life to the full. That's the reason why Jesus came. And if we give our life to Jesus, if we surrender our lives to him, we can experience the life that he came to give. Maybe you're watching this service and you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never been in a church uh, like ours and, and, and maybe you're hearing this message for the very first time. What, why not do that today? What, why not do that right now? Why not give your life to Jesus Christ today? Why, why, why not surrender your, your past and your present 
and your future to Jesus right now. Pastor Joe, some of you might be saying, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the kind of person that I am. The Bible tells us where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. God is not offended by by our mistakes. God is not offended or limited by our past. All we need to do to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is just invite him in to our hearts and lives. And we can do that by praying a simple prayer. So what, what I want to do is I finish, finish this off just before we break bread together. I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer, uh, a prayer that invites Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And if you're watching this, I want to encourage everyone that's on the screen. As I pray this prayer, I want you to just just pray a, a version of this uh, in your own words, even as I'm praying. And, and, and you, can, you can come, you can uh, pray with me as I pray this prayer. And if, if you've never prayed this prayer before, well, come on, why don't you do that today? Why don't you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Let's pray together. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. And I invite you to come into my heart and life. And I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want you to know it's the greatest decision you've ever made. The Bible says that if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and, and confess Him to be our Lord and Savior, then we can be saved. And so um, I want to encourage you to just continue to open up your heart to Christ and allow Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Let me pray with you right now. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we haven't put our faith in a religion or in a person, but we've put our faith in the risen Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, and uh, we just come before you at this time and even in the season that we're experiencing in our city, our nation, the world, there may be some people in a darkness right now, Lord. I, I just pray that by the Spirit of God that they would be able to find encouragement and hope through your word even today. That even as Jesus expressed uh, what he was feeling uh, there on the cross, Lord God, that we too would pour out our hearts to you even in this season. And we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that despite our past, despite our mistakes, you choose to forgive us, Lord God, and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. And more than all of that, you choose to bless us and then just bless us a little bit more. And then, and then, and then after that, just bless us even more, Father God. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And I just thank you for those that have opened up their heart to you even today for the very first time, Lord God. Let your, let your hand be upon them, Lord God. Let them experience the true peace of salvation, the, the, the grace of God upon their lives. Let them feel your presence even in this time.